Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Action Replay on DCUFM. We are live right now on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DCUFM. You can check out our socials. They're on the screen right there. DCUFM Sport on Twitter and Instagram. And if you search DCUFM on Spotify, you can find all our previous episodes as well as everything else we do here on DCUFM. It's a it's a bit of a bittersweet day, actually. It's... um. It's our last show of the year, but we're not going away entirely. We'll we'll talk more about that later in the show. Uh, delighted to have Paul Morgan back on the show. Well, Paul, how you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Sean. And uh, Joe Kelly is making his return as well. How you doing, Joe? How you doing? Thanks a million. And we'll start with you, and we'll start with the Masters. Um, pretty historic Masters, actually. Um, the first ever. Japanese winner, not just of, not just of the Masters, but of any major at all. And going into the final day, watching watching Matsuyama, it was quite tense actually because there were some moments where you thought, "Oh, is he going to wobble?" It famously was ten years after Rory's notorious meltdown on the back nine on the final day, but he he held on and. He created a really historic moment, not just for golf in Japan, but I think golf in all of Asia. Yeah, he's he's kind of like a he's a pioneer for Japan as well. A, a Japanese lady golfer won the um, the female tournament as well, so it's been a great kind of past few weeks for Japanese golf. And he, he really didn't look under pressure. He played like he was under pressure, but just his face, the way he's going around, and even when he was walking in the 18th, when he kind of had it won, he. There wasn't much emotion around him. He kind of he seemed very calm, and when he won, he didn't even celebrate too much. He's he's a very controlled individual, and it shows in his golf with the way he controlled his, his final round. You'd have to feel sorry for uh, Janda Shoffle the way he played, and he had a great round on um on Saturday, but seven drop shots in the last day. Like he he's got to be kicking himself for a long time. Like if he doesn't go into the water at sixteen, he's he's there coming up the the eighteenth, and they could have gone to a playoff. So that touching on Zalatoris, he did that must be one of the best debuts of any Masters ever. He's kind of become a fan favourite already. He was getting tweets from uh, Adam Sandler about looking like a happy game where it's a caddy and people are calling him. He looks like Owen Wilson. Oh, he's become a fan favourite really quickly. I was going to mention that the Happy Gilmore caddy references are, are really, really funny. Um, from an Irish perspective... It was disappointing seeing particularly Rory doing as poorly as he did. I think we have kind of have to accept now that the, that green jacket will will remain out of his reach. And I mean, well, Shane Larry, I think he did okay. Um, he was kind of there thereabouts the first two rounds, fell off in the over the weekend. But I, I, I am a little bit worried that it just seems to be these two lads on representing Ireland in golf because back in the day we used to have all sorts. We had Padraig Harrington uh, winning back-to-back opens. We had Darren Clark, we had Paul McGinley. This was the time McElroy was on his way up. Shane Larry turned pro after winning the Irish Open 2009 as an amateur. What what do you see for, for the future of Irish golf? Uh, yeah, it seems at the moment there's been a bit of a drought. I know last Masters we had... Um... So, so I, I can never pronounce his name. Sergio was an amateur, but he 
he didn't get invited back this this time around. So we there's a few on the European tour, but there's none there's there's none that are pushing wins. They're just kind of tapping along. I know Podrick still plays in the European tour. Kind of Larry is our best performer at the moment, and even then he, I think he had only one round where he shot under par. So our, our hope is still in Rory. I think he's gonna if he wants to get back to the way he's playing, he's gonna have to maybe follow what Speed did and take his time. It's not gonna happen overnight. He's gotta put he's gotta put performances together over time. Like looking at Speed, he got his last, he got his first win in over a thousand days a few weeks back, and now he's he's playing well again. He's got a third the week before the Masters, and he's finished tied fourth in the Masters. So it's it's gonna take time, but I think he can get back to where he was. We all hope that he can. Um looking at the looking at the soccer now, we'll we'll bring Paul Morgan in for this. The Champions League quarterfinals were uh, this past week uh pretty eventful stuff, particularly in the Bayern PSG game. PSG just absolutely flying out of the traps, just attacking Bayern Munich from the get-go. But what was more impressive, I thought, from them was that they were able to hold not just hold on when Bayern got themselves back into it. Because when when a team with the quality of Bayern starts to go on a roll, it's it they're they're kind of difficult to stop. And after seeing their lead wiped out, they managed to put themselves back in front again. And three away goals going into a second leg is 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 mighty important, particularly again when you're facing a team of Bayern's caliber. Yeah, definitely. The last the last goal that um, Mbappe scored was really was really cru- was really crucial because if not, the momentum kind of still would have been with uh, Bayern because they got the two goals to get into into the uh, bit of the game. So it showed yeah, it showed a lot of uh, character for PSG to come back into it. I know people are saying, well, Neymar didn't do that well, but he still got the he still got the two assists. So I thought I think that's uh, more than a, a strong con- contribution to. The match, and you know, Mbappe will probably take all the headlines, having scored the two to two goals. But um, yeah, no, it was it was, uh, t- it was tough conditions for the match as well. So PSG will be delighted to be uh, three three two up, and um, with some of the injuries that uh, Bayern have, they'll be feeling pretty confident going into the second leg this week. I think the rest of the. The matches were, were dominated by the English teams with, with mixed fortunes, I think it's fair to say. I think Chelsea had the best success, although considering they were up against probably the weakest team left in the tournament in Porto, you'd kind of expect that. City as well are in a good position going to their second leg. But Liverpool really struggled against Real Madrid. I, I thought that um, I had a bit more confidence with them going into this game because how they bounced back against Arsenal. But... Arsenal and Real Madrid are are not on the same level at the moment and it was really disappointing. So I think it, it, it is interesting viewing to watch the English teams going into the second legs tonight and tomorrow. Yeah, Liverpool uh, out of those teams definitely have the most most work to do. I was actually, I was actually a little surprised that uh, Real Madrid, I suppose they've they would have been seen as being on the decline, but in in midfield there and up front with Benzema, they, their experience uh, really sh- really showed in that match. Um, I think Liverpool will need to really like try and press them and put them under a lot more lot, a lot more pressure than they did, uh, especially in midfield in the second leg to have have a chance. Um, with Man Man City, yeah, they're in they're in a, 
a strong position. They they look nervous. I thought, I thought um, in in the game just because I suppose last last year they were uh, shocked by Leon. So kind of memories of that is probably coming in against Dortmund, a team they're expected to win. And with with Chelsea, yeah, they had a they weren't spectacular, but they had a disciplined performance in defence and to get the breakaway goal with Chilwell in the last. Like two 0 is a really strong position. Going into second leg. Uh, Champions League isn't the only major occurrences uh, in the world of soccer at the moment. We'll get to the Premier League uh, later on, but there was an El Clasico to talk about, and I remember reading a um, an article in the Irish Times about how Messi is happy again. Of course, there were all these reports last summer that he was about to walk out of the club. Um, some legal toing and froing meant that he couldn't really force that through. But he stayed on and he seemed to be motivated heading into this El Clasico. Although Real, coming off the back of that really good win against Liverpool, were able to win 2-1. And uh, we got Bradley Sue with a report of that game. For this El Clasico, when I saw the starting lineup of the game, I thought Barcelona might be in trouble during the game. Although the team remains unbeaten in La Liga before the game this year, in the last round of the match against Real Madrid. Koeman's team had a lot of trouble with the three-bank formation. The first half of this round against Real Madrid confirmed my opinion. After defeating Liverpool in the first leg of Champions League quarterfinal, Zidane once again took the lead in the pre-match tactics in this game. Real Madrid caught the shortcomings of Barcelona's defense on the right side. Vinicius Jr. once again played an excellent game. On the defensive end, for Real Madrid, their defensive line maintained a good number of players. Also, Koeman made some correct adjustments in the second half. It was a pity that Barcelona lacked some luck and failed to equalize at the end of the game. I think the key to Real Madrid's victory in this game is better midfielders and excellent defense. Tony Cruz deserves the man of the match. His free kick and precise long pass decided the result of the game. In the last 25 minutes, the team made some substitutions to adjust the lineup rotation for the second leg against Liverpool. For Barcelona, the lack of experience of some players is one of the reasons for their loss, but this game will also be of great help to the future of these young players. Of course, the terrible weather and some controversial decisions by the referee has also become X factors of the game. The championship competition of Liga this season, I think, is still very fierce. So for Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona all have a big chance to win the championship. The championship fight should last until the last two or three rounds. And thanks to Bradley for sending that in to us. Obviously, um, big win, of course, for Real Madrid. And we'll see how they do tomorrow night against Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool, though, uh, got back to winning ways at Anfield in the Premier League, beating Villa 2-1. Um, not a, a hugely a hugely intriguing game, apart from the fact that, of course, that Liverpool got revenge for that 7-2 massacre um, they suffered at Villa Park in October, I think it was. Another team who avenged the massacre was Man United, coming back from a goal down against Spurs to beat 
uh, beat them 3-1. And one of the things that stole the most headlines was another case of VAR intervention, questionable VAR intervention, I would say. Uh, McTominay looked like he was trying to fend Son off, but caught him in the face. The play progressed. Cavani eventually stuck it in the back of the net, but the goal was eventually chalked off. And I, I, I didn't like this, Paul. I, I, I don't think that there was enough in there to draw a foul. But the the people in VAR, they, they can't, they're not in a position where they can read between the lines, unfortunately. It is a case of black and white. It's a foul or it's not. And so I think that that the sort my overall take on VAR in general is that human perception is lacking from it. And that's what caused it to be still such a lightning rod of controversy. Yeah, I think if you'd imagine the uh, the VAR face, it's them and they're like with all their uh, all their rules, uh, probably they can probably just uh, look look it up look it up during it or something because yeah they're not on the pitch they don't really see it in in re- in real time now it has it ha- in some cases it has been used well but yeah in this ca- in this case it was it was just really a case of uh, general play it, I mean there 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 was he did get a bit of a whack to the whack to the head but I don't think it was I don't think it was enough to uh, to disallow the goal especially how far far away it was from. To, like it was probably another twenty seconds, possibly before the the goal actually went in. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think as well the referee when they go over to see if Vara's kind of ca- call them call them for something, they kind of feel they have to go along with the uh, Vara's decision. So I think that kind of puts them, uh, kind of leads them to make their decisions in what way Var think it should be done. Credit to United, though. They're able to to come back from that and uh, win 3-1. And Mourinho wasn't happy with um, Solskjaer's comments about Son. And I, I get... On one hand, I see where he was coming from. I see where they were both coming from, actually. Solskjaer was obviously very frustrated about the fact that they had a, a goal chalked off, a goal that he would have thought was completely legitimate. But he... Mourinho, I, I, we we talk all the time about Mourinho being out of touch and stuff, but I I, I don't know what, what what did you make of Mourinho's response? Um, well, you see, it was it was kind of just deflected from the read. The read it was it was much to do about nothing. I think the comment the comments the comments about it. I think it was a bit tongue in cheek uh, from Sasha. I think he often kind of does that with um, with uh, when he thinks thinks that they should get penalt- penalties or different decisions. And um, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't. It was it was kind of just a bit of a funny comment from him. And um, I think Mourinho was kind of latching onto any kind of maybe kind of point scoring that he could think of because it wasn't it wasn't a great game from his team and. Uh, United were full value for the win, really. On the other side of Manchester, um, only the fourth defeat for City this season in the league, where they went down 2-1 to Leeds after... I think the stats were um, City had 29 attempts on goal to Leeds is two, but um, Leeds were more accurate with their chances, I think it's fair to say. Um, 
looking at the title race, it's, it seems very unlikely that um, United will be able to catch City. But looking at the table itself, I think that what has done United in are draws. They, they've lo- City and United have lost the same amount of games in the league this season, four apiece. It's been the fact that United have drawn five more games than City that leads them to being so far behind them. So United will be left to rue that. But um, I think I think it, I wanted to have an overall appraisal of Leeds because this is their first season back in their top flight. They're much publicised, much anticipated first season back. And I initially predicted at the start of the year that they'd be in the top half, they'd be like what Reading were in 2007, um, kind of punching above their weight and finish, finishing 8th or ninth. They're 10th at the moment. There's obviously a few games to go, but this this first season for Leeds has to be considered a success. But what do you think they need to do to avoid that so-called second season syndrome? Um. Yeah, well, I, th- I think they've made, they've made a few clever signings. Rafinha, he was... A player. There wasn't a huge, uh, huge amount of acclaim when he when he joined initially, but um, he was he was a he has turned out to be a good signing. He's given a bit of uh, experience along with their some of their other stronger uh, strong players from England, like Phil like Phillips, who's uh, came up seamlessly from the Championship uh, la- last year. Um, I suppose I suppose they're they're probably def- they're defend probably maybe somebody in maybe defensive defensive midfield would possibly be someone uh, an area they could look to strengthen because they um they have often got uh, caught caught on the break but um yeah I suppose if you'd asked me maybe two months ago I might have thought well Leeds could plummet down the table but they've uh, returned they've returned uh, they've returned uh, strongly and um, other players have chipped in along with Bam- Bamford to uh, to score goals so. Yeah, it's been a good season. At the other end of the table, it was um, a massive weekend, it has to be said, for Newcastle. They uh, they were able to win 2-1 away against Burnley. Uh, meanwhile, I think Fulham lost again. They did 1-0 at home to Wolves. And this has allowed uh, Newcastle, who I thought were in serious, serious danger, it's allowed them to open up a really sizable gap over Fulham. They're six points clear with a game in hand. And in fact, West Brom are closer um, in points to Fulham than Newcastle are at the moment. So this is, um, it, it's a really big turnaround for Newcastle. Well, it's, which actually isn't saying much. They've only taken, taken four points to, to lift themselves out of this trouble, but it does look more and more like Newcastle are going to hold on to their premiership status. Um, yeah, it does. I I think it was just a it was it was just a case that the subs when they brought them on, Saint Maxima and Wilson, who've been out for a long time, they literally just transform transformed the 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 team. Um, you now Joe Linton up front has uh, struggled to score goals, and Gale hasn't been too consistent either. So, yeah, like I said, they'd have to bring them kind of uh, slowly back into the team into the team because they're coming back from injury but if they're there it kind of really they really pose so much more of a threat than they have in yeah now they're pulling clear of Fulham who haven't really continued their form they've lost four in a row so yeah it's looking promising for them to stay up the last team thing we'll talk about in the Premier League is West Ham 
another a, a really big weekend for them. They not only do they tighten their grip on fourth, but they're actually starting to to really threaten Leicester in third. They'll actually have a chance to go third next weekend because Leicester are um, busy with FA Cup commitments, which I'll talk about in a second. But massive, massive win for West Ham, and they narrowly avoided throwing away a 3-0 lead again. They've been in this situation before where they've gone 3-0 up and they haven't been able to hold on. They weren't able to hold on against Arsenal. They were able to hold on this time. And it's it's dangerous for them, I think, to keep putting themselves in these positions because, yeah, exploding out of the blocks like they do, it's, it's, it's all well and good. But that's not going to count for much if you keep getting pegged back. Um, yeah, yeah. I suppose, I suppose um, in I suppose it's kind of the way they they play though. They play a very direct. They play quite a direct style. Um, like they, I think they were shown on a match of the day with a few times, but they had Lingard and stuff. They literally just, every pass is kind of going forward, um, which is brilliant, which really can catch the uh, opposition defense defense out. And they're really quick players with Antonio up front and. Um, but but yeah, when you're playing like that, you're gonna often give away the ball a lot. So I think that kind of just comes 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 with the territory of the way they play, and um, they play a high energy style as well. Whereas and they probably still don't have they don't really have as strong options to come off the bench. But um, I suppose they got the three two win, so that's that's all that really matters in this case. We mentioned the FA Cup. We got the semi-finals this weekend. Chelsea versus City and Leicester versus Southampton. It was mad when Southampton went through. They were going to play a team that they lost 9-0 to at some stage in the last two years. It is Leicester. Um, and Chelsea City, whoever comes out of that, will will be the favourite, I think, going into the final. City, of course, still kind of creeping their way towards a quadruple. No one's talking about the quadruple yet, but... Um, they are just getting their business done and keeping that dream alive. But I think this is a huge opportunity for Leicester because their league win in 2016 was their first major trophy of any kind. They never won a league. They never won a cup. I think they had a few league cups here and there. But this is a real chance, I think, for them to solidify themselves as not just a, a, a flash in the pan, that they will be a kind of almost I think on the level of I would say a Tottenham that they are a team that are going to be there and thereabouts for the foreseeable future yeah I think I think that I think they will be anyway in that in that kind of bracket um we've seen that this this season there's not there's no real weak point weak points in the side um yeah if they were to go on and win the F, the FA Cup it would be it would really uh, solidify that, but um, they'll also be looking over their shoulder a bit, even with the top four. Given what happened last last year, that may actually be even more of their even more of their focus. And yeah, say if they were to get both of them, that would be great. But then we'd say that as well with some of the other team with some of the other teams, like if Chelsea could win it and get in the top four, or if Tottenham can get well. That's probably less likely now, and they with the league with the league cup. So. Ultimately, it'll be the result in the in the cup competitions. It's about the, it's about getting the results. So it'll be interesting to see. 
Moving on to the rugby now, and Leinster were finally able to play a European Cup knockout game. Uh, they won against Exeter Chiefs, uh, which it was it, it was a it was a bit of a struggle for them, but they were eventually able to just um, see it out as they always seem to do. And this sets up a really interesting semi final. They're the only non French team left in the competition, which I think is is very is, is quite mad actually. Uh, they're playing La Rochelle, who um, who are coached by Ronan O'Gara, who obviously is no stranger to Leinster. Was um, involved in probably the best period of Irish club rugby history when Leinster and Munster were both at the top of their game in the two thousands. So Leinster are looking for their fifth uh, European Cup, and I think they have a real opportunity to do it, Joe. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think Leinster fans might have felt a bit of deja vu from the match in the weekend, from uh, the quarterfinal against Saracens last year when they lost. But you know, they steadied the ship. Low, low scored a great try to steady it off. Lammer scored two great finishes that were really they were match winning tries. And then um, when Sexton had to come off, Ross Byrne stepped up, kicked lights out, six out of seven. So they have they have a bit of depth in ten now. And Robbie Henshaw is back in form. He was easily had a man of the match performance. So yeah, they're facing La Rochelle. They're they're a well drilled team, obviously, and they made easy work at the Sharks. But I think uh, if they can get past La Rochelle, they have a good they'll have a good go at it. Uh, and uh, the last bit we'll talk about is the GAA draw is scheduled for next week. Um, we won't be around to cover the. The most of the championship because I think it's getting wrapped up in August with the hurling and football finals. But I just wanted to get your overall preview, Joe, on how you see this summer going. Uh, Limerick coming in as the defending hurling champions. Of course, the hurling is always so competitive. Munster in itself is extremely difficult to predict a lot of the time. Meanwhile, in the football, Dublin going for seven in a row. Um, Kerry will want to make a comeback. They they were only played one game last year, pretty much a footnote in the in the championship. Mayo obviously coming off more heartbreak. Donegal will probably feel like they didn't do themselves justice, and you got teams as well like Cavan and Tipperary who had amazing success last year. And can they keep it going? How do you see these two championships going? Well, fitness is going to play into it a lot. They'll, they'll probably bring back the water breaks, I'd imagine. Obviously, from Dublin's point of view, you're going to see how the 12-week 12, 12 ban is going to play into it with Desi Farrell. On the hurling side, I think it's hard to say Limerick won't be there, thereabouts. Obviously, it depends on their conditioning. But yeah, I think everyone just wants to get back to it. The, having the draw and having the league back, just got to get things going again, even for clubs. I know the guards have to be called in Monaghan again because teams are training. It wasn't, it wasn't the county team, but it was the club. So it's... Just in general, if people are playing, it's gonna be it's gonna be best for the country because people want the GAA back. It's hard to it's hard to knock Dublin off their off their pedestal at the moment. It, even though I'm a Dublin fan, I'd like to see obviously Kerry and Mayo having a good go to just a, a bit of change. I think Tip will be back next year, and I don't I I see Kilkenny not so much. Maybe Tip and Galway will be the ones pushing towards Limerick.
Now, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, this is the uh, this is the last action replay on on Tuesdays because, well, we're we're a university radio show, and um, the university semester and indeed the year is uh, is coming to the end. This is our our last week of lectures, but it doesn't mean action replay is going away entirely because this Friday is the DCUFM 12-hour broadcast. It's going from 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. right here on twitch.tv slash DCUFM. And it's not just uh, a broadcast for the sake of talking into a microphone and doing radio, although we do love doing that, obviously. It's it's to raise charity. Uh, it's, it's to raise money for a charity. It's, uh, it's uh, the Rise Foundation. Um, we, we hope you can tune in. Any, any donations, big, small, in the middle, massively appreciated of course they will and um action replay will be there will be on the air at five on friday but we won't be there alone because it turns out action replay isn't the only show that uh paul morgan is affiliated with because we'll be joined by his crew from offside opinions yeah um we're, lo- we're looking we're looking for we're looking forward to um be it'd be good to have a have a mix of the different uh, sp- different uh, sports shows. I think we I think that we have kind of a kind of different styles of shows and stuff. So um, I think I think some of the lads were thinking of maybe doing some kind of a some kind of a quiz to have a, a kind of have a, a fun uh, round round out of round out of the of the uh, of the college year and uh, of the uh, sports shows on DCUFM. So uh, yeah, looking forward to. It. Should we go? Yeah, we're massively looking forward to that. All the offside opinion gang will be there. I'll be there. Joe, you'll be there. Uh, I, it, it's going to be a, a fantastic time, all for all for a really good cause. And you know, we hope you can make it. Tune in any time on Friday. Support all the shows uh, at Twitch.tv/dcufm, 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. Uh, check out uh, DCUMPS and DCUFM. All those uh, social media accounts for. More information about the the broadcast, the other shows on there, and how you can donate. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic time. But that is going to do it for this edition of Action Replay. If um, if you missed any of our previous shows, or you want to go back and listen to this show again, you can check it out. It'll be on Spotify. Search uh, DCUFM on Spotify, and you'll find this episode, our entire back catalog, and all the other shows that are on DCUFM. Check all those out. And uh, you can search Offside Opinions as well to check out everything they've done. Just search Offside Opinions on Spotify. You'll find it there. We are on Twitter and Instagram. We're at DCUFM Sport, where you can stay tuned there to find out what Action Replay is going to look like going forward. Uh, And, of course, we'll be back here on Friday for the DCUFM 12-hour broadcast, twitch.tv slash DCUFM. All in aid of the Rise Foundation. It's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful, I- irrespective of how much money we raise. Although we'd love to raise loads, it's 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 not just this um, amazing uh, cause that we're raising money for. It's it, it's a celebration of DCUFM and all the work we've put in this year amidst you know very very trying times. The world kind of eats itself, but we hope to have you with us on Friday, Paul, Joe. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. Looking forward to it. Yeah, see you then, Sean. Thanks. I've been Sean Breslin. Thank you so much for listening um, both today and throughout the rest of the year. And we'll see you on Friday for the DCU FM 12-hour broadcast. See you then.